Interesting. It's always different in here, no matter what. You change it. I feel like it's just your, um, what do you call it, compulsion. To change? To change. What's changed? This car was not here last time I was here. Albeit I haven't been here like a month. No. I tried to tell my wife that. She's like, no, you were just doing it. And I was like, no, I, I don't think we were. She's like, you know, you were. I was like, I don't think so. Huh. Yeah. It's day. like, and it's just, it's like you shuffle it around. It's sure. all the same stuff's here. It still is cluttered. Oh, this is so good. But it's just different. It's three cars. That's what I love about it. It's got three, I've got three cars in here. Hmm. And that one fits perfect right there. I thought you got rid of this. No, I keep debating. You know, it's it's such a it's not going to go down in value because it's a seventy six. Where do you find one? There's a lot of reasons it's not going to go down in value, which is probably what we're going to talk about today. Oh, okay, that's good. <laughs> so yeah. it's on my mind. Oh, okay. It, well, it's like um, I was thinking about that too, and I was like, I feel like when I see people driving trucks because I just purchased a truck. Mm-hmm. You know, the old me when I purchased a Toyota Tacoma because I'm on my third one now. You feel like you're spending a lot of money and it feels frivolous, right? Like you go, Oh, I could buy a truck for, you know, $10,000, like in the old days. But now I'm like, Oh my gosh, thank God I got this truck before they jack the price up. And whenever I see other people driving trucks, I immediately go, Oh my gosh, dude, that is worth so much money because the value of cars, trucks in particular. It, it's, it is borderline annoying. I was trying to buy this truck from this guy and. He's like, okay, that number's not going to change, right? On Monday, this was Friday. And I said, no, between now and then, I mean, unless like there was a big market crash, no, it shouldn't change. And he goes, okay, okay, I'll just wait till Monday. And then I text him today. He's like, I don't know. Everybody's offering me more money now. I think if I just hold out another couple weeks, I can get even more money. I'm like, okay, now it's like, it's just this appreciating asset. It's like gold. People are holding on. They're playing it like the stock market. Like, let me just hold on to it and yeah. then I'll get rid of it at the right exact time. It really is. And it's like... Same with housing, same with cars, but the, you know, we're kind of in the, I don't know. We're kind of in the sweet spot right now of the economy. Can I ask you something? Yeah. Cause I, I want to get into this, but uh, just before I do, what happened to whole 30? You done? Um, well, whole 30 turned into like whole 90. So, right. so here's what happened. I know I, everybody's gonna be like, I liked where we were going and the Marshall just threw yeah. us off track. No, I, I, uh. Let's pretend the show hasn't even started yet, actually. This isn't really you derailing me. This is a valid, like, aside. We'll call it an aside. Um, I did Whole 30 because my doctor, basically, I just decided randomly to do Whole 30 with my wife. And we thought, well, let's see what happens. And basically, Whole 30 is just an elimination diet. You just cut a bunch of stuff out of your diet. You basically eat meat and vegetables. And then my doctor, nearly the day that I started it, was like, hey, you, like, kind of have some bad stats on your, like report, like you got, is that what it's called? Stats? Yeah. Like cholesterol is looking not great and mm-hmm. your blood pressure a little high. And she's like, you should probably do. And I said, I'm doing whole 30. She's like, great. She goes, do that. This is what she said. Do whole 30. And then we'll see in June what you, what the tests look like. So I thought that meant, oh, you have to do whole 30 until June. So I was striving to do it until June. And even though I feel like partly she didn't really say that, like I know what she was saying. She was basically saying do Whole30 and then, you know, try to eat healthier and we'll see what happens. I was like, no, I'm doing Whole30 for 90 days because this was three months ago. Do you think that they named it Whole30 for a reason? They did. Yeah. yeah. I, I like was, it's meant to be 30 days. It really is. And I get why, because you actually feel pretty depleted. Like I feel like some diets you get on and you're like, oh, I feel really healthy and people go, I drink more water. No, I felt pretty depleted the whole time. Remember when I got COVID and you're like... 
I go, dude, we were together. You don't have it, do you? And you're like, I feel like I have, I'm sick all of the time. <laughs> yeah. So there would be no way of I, me knowing if I have it or not. And that's what Whole30 was. It was like the COVID diet. It was like all the <laughs> symptoms of COVID all the time. Yeah. You walk into any place, you're like, how are you feeling? I feel awful. And, dude, the and then you're yeah. like, then you can't come in. No, I felt like this for yeah. 60 to 90 days. So. I would go to the doctor and she'd be like, so how you feel on, on whole 30 or whatever. And I said, oh, I feel brain fog. I feel tired. And then they would start giving me like, take this vitamin and take, um, lion's mane extract for brain fogginess. Like, I'm sorry. Or, what? Lion's mane extract. It's like a mushroom. It's, I don't know why they call Whoa, it. Oh, it's not from an actual lion. No. Oh wow! It's a I, mushroom. It looks. I like thought a, for sure that was something weird that I didn't know about. Just really uh, strong lion's mane. Like but the she was hair pre- of a lion somehow offers you something. It could, I guess, probably Ebola or something. Eat, but she offers was, you not what you want. She was prescribing me all these vitamins, and I was like, or I could just go back to the old diet where I didn't feel this all the time, like eating processed foods and sugars. So hmm. I don't know. Isn't anyway. it amazing though how like changing what you eat can totally change how you feel? It really is. The biggest thing, though, I didn't feel better, but I lost like ten or twelve pounds. Oh, that's good. So that that you know that was good. I needed to. You like it when did people notice that you lost? Yeah, it was like in in that first thirty day period that I was super strict. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, people would call me out and be like, "Do you look like you're losing weight?" Which always feels good, you know. That's always a nice nice thing. It's good for me. It's all about how I feel, though, and I, I've not felt right since I got on whole thirty. I've had a few people lately tell me. You know, like, oh, Marshall, you look like you look good. You look like you're losing weight. And I'm like, well, that's funny. I, I haven't been. I even said it the other day to my wife. I was like, babe, people keep saying I'm losing weight, but I, I'm not. Does my is my face just fat? Like, is my beard bigger? Like, what is giving? Did my neck get thinner? My beard Something? Do I have chicken neck? What's going on here? Why <laughs> why am I looking thinner? Because that's a valid point. If your beard gets bigger, you do look more like. It does. It makes your neck and your face look a little thinner. Yeah. And then a guy comes in today and I, you know, I've known him for a long time and he goes, he lost a lot of weight and he goes, wow, you, you look bigger. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank you. Thanks. What kind of bigger <laughs> are we talking yeah, here? That's... I feel like I get comments like that all the time. Just very, it's like my weight fluctuates and my build fluctuates. Like I either look really muscular, like I work out all the time or I just look fat and there's no in between. I don't have like a natural looking body. I don't know if I said this before, but uh, I, I alluded or I said it in a, in one form or another. But I I posted that video of you, you know, and mm-hmm. somebody commented to me. They're like, "Man, I that totally threw me off. I didn't know what Aaron looked like." Mm-hmm. And then I saw him, and you, everybody has that. They put a voice to like the own image in their head, and that's what they think it looks like. And so mm-hmm. they were thrown off by you. Um, but she already knows me, so she already knew, like there's no question in her mind. But I go, there's a lot of people right now. That don't know. Yeah. And they just think I'm some fatso. (laughs) Well, hey, you did used to be fat, kind of. No, that's... No, we went through a phase, man. I understand that I was fat, but there's like different variations of fat, okay? Yeah, well, I'm just saying fat because it's ambiguous and there are people who don't know. I just wanted to think of you as, it's good for you, man, because then if and when they ever see you or meet you, they'll be like, wow, you're not that kind of fat I thought you'd be. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So, anyway... Did I tell you the time I went skiing and they were, uh, they ask you like the different sizes, like you, you get skis depending on your weight size. And it was like all these different weight categories. And then I think I was two thirty at the time. And so the one weight category was like one ninety to two twenty, And then it was like two twenty and above. Mm-hmm. And I was like two twenty. where's the other categories? Like I, I'm not two twenty <laughs> and above. Don't lump me into two twenty. It is the same as three twenty at that mm-hmm. point. No, that, I'm not that. No, thank you. See, that's how, you know, that's like the UFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have that 
I think the super heavyweights, which is like anything above, I think it's like 240 and above. Yeah, then there's no limits whatsoever. There's no limits. It's like a guy who's 241 pounds is the exact same as a sumo wrestler at that point. Yeah. And I feel like that's a little insulting. That's rude. Yeah. And nobody fights in that category, which is weird. Like, why have that weight class? Mm -hmm. Nobody fights in it. When I was in high school, you had a, you had a limit. You couldn't be over a certain weight. That makes sense. Like on on the last weight category, it was like 215 to something. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's couldn't that, just be fat. I noticed that when I buy shirts, it's always like extra large, extra large everything. And I go, and then sometimes I wear them, I wash them once or twice, and then they're kind of like too tight after that, like extra large. Oh. And I go, oh, wait. And I just don't even think about it, but I go, I'm literally wearing a shirt called extra large, and it's <laughs> too tight. And it gets in my head a little bit, because oh, I'm, ex- I'm always a large, always, yeah, which yeah. we have probably have different styles of how we wear our shirts. Mm-hmm. And so many people, they're like, you should wear an extra large. I was like, no. And I fight it all the time because I'm like, no, trust me. I know my body. I know what I, I know what fits me. I'm, yeah. I'm a large. This one time I wear this extra large shirt. It's kind of like just one of these comfort shirts I have. Mm-hmm. And we were out. It was like a weekend getaway with a bunch of our friends. And they're like, Marshall, what is that shirt you're wearing? It's just like, it's so baggy. I'm like, that's my one extra large yeah. shirt that I have. The single one that I have. And they're like, it looks ridiculous on you. And they're so used to me seeing me wearing fitted shirts that mm-hmm. looked so beyond ridiculous. I ended up giving it to Dennis King and it's like a really good looking shirt on him. Yeah. I, I feel like I wore large cause obviously there was a progression. I wasn't born in extra large. And in my progression of large to extra large, it was basically what happened was I saw a picture of myself and Albeit, I thought the shirt fit great. I was like, this is exactly how I like my shirts to fit. That was the part that tripped me out. And then I saw a picture and I go, oh, that shirt's way too small. <laughs> and then I go, oh, it's time for extra larges. And it took a long time for me to get used to extra large because initially an extra large feels so big. And now I go, no, this is the right fit for me. Because I think I might be transitioning to that, honestly. I might go to... I have a sweatshirt now that's more comfortable than an extra large. Mm-hmm. I might move to a couple. I'm going to try a few more t-shirts and see what happens. It's going to have to be a slow transition. Otherwise, my friends are going to be like, what are you wearing? Yeah. Well, the, the other thing that I did in my initial denial of transitioning from large to extra large, I would only wear almost brand new shirts. Like one, two wears. Oh, yeah. And I was throwing away because if they get washed and dried once or twice, they're, I go, oh, they shrunk up. Bougie. I know. Yeah, I know. You, here's what here's what it'll get you. My, my son has now wearing a lot of my pants. And he's like, Dad, how do these even fit you? Well, I like tighter pants, yeah. and he likes them a little bit baggier. So they work pretty well, but I've been, I've just been handing clothes down to him, which is really kind of weird to me. Do you me. feel weird that like the style is changing to wear um, skinny jeans, tight-fitting things? Because you remember how, how weird that was, like, say, at, like, let's say 10, 12 years ago, when it started to become cool to wear skinny jeans and tighter mm-hmm. clothes and things like that? It was kind of weird, you know, then, but now it's so normal, but now it's transitioning, transitioning back to like, baggy. back to like baggy. Like yeah. women are already way ahead of the curve with that, where they're Gross. like wearing super baggy stuff, super baggy, super high-waisted, super high-waisted, like crop tops. And then mm-hmm. like dudes are starting to wear like baggy. I'm starting to get Instagram ads on my phone. They're like basically skinny, but not too skinny. So they're like starting one to, of those Jenko jeans coming back. And oh, dude, that is going to, you know, that's going to happen. Oh, those are so, you could like swim in them. They're so ugly. Uh-huh. But get, it, I, it's ugly until everybody starts doing it and then it's not. Is that what it is? Like, I think it's like until every, yeah, until everyone starts to do the thing and then the hipsters, which we can still say hipsters, I guess, they basically start going, ew, everyone's doing this. Let's do something totally opposite. And initially it looks so ugly 
until the hip, the other hipsters adopt it and go, oh, this is the new cool. You thing. know, I think th- this is where like when you get older in age and you get comfortable with your style, and this is everybody kind of knows. Oh, Marshall, he loves sweatpants. He just always wears sweatpants and slippers, and I've got different versions of them. I could wear them anywhere. Mm-hmm. They're just they're. Oh, cr- I know. I've seen you at a wedding. <laughs> yeah, they're they're great, but there's different styles, and um, you you just get set in something. And I, I like a lot of plain t-shirts too. I like I don't, I don't like a lot of designs on them, but I like a really good t-shirt. And you look back at history and you go, you know, nothing's ever, nobody's ever looked bad in just a plain white t-shirt mm-hmm. and blue jeans, right? Yeah. Just relaxed fit. What's that? Bruce Springsteen mm-hmm. style. And yeah. Michael Coors, I don't know if you ever see him. He's, he likes to wear just plain black t-shirt. And he's like, yeah. yeah, just, I, I style things so much. I just want to look just the same, same simple. There's like, there's, um, trendy or stylish. And then there's like, um, timeless mm-hmm. and you can't be both. I want to be timeless. Yeah, you got to be timeless. Uh, that's what I won't say. I want to be. Well, I I do want You're to be s- sitting here with ripped up jeans. I know these are an Dude. embarrassment. These are actually a committed decision because I bought them and they're I, probably really expensive too. I didn't. Le- they are, and I didn't look at them before. I was like, this is my size. This place has my size, and this place normally never has my size. And then I bought them, and I like you know fluffed them out when I got home, and I go, oh, that's a lot of rips in those. Oh, well, you didn't know it had rips. No, in I, I mean I, I just could see some, but I just thought it was like a knee rip or something. Mm. Still, well, I don't know, man. You bought them knowing they had rips, so a little too much. But hey, I didn't return them. I'm committed to them. Now that's like you, though. I don't think you would return a lot of clothes. Never. I've got so many clothes. I used when Lynn moved in with me. She was like one of the first trips we took was we went to I think San Clemente for four or five days. And she's like, oh, we got to pack. And I had so many clothes in my closet that still had tags on them. And I go, oh, this is cool. I'll just wear this, wear this. So I throw them on the bench. She's like, why do you, all your clothes have tags? And I go, because I meant to return them because I didn't like them. And then I just, <laughs> I didn't. At some point in time, you're like, eh, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that $100 shirt goes down to like $90. Every like week that it's older, it goes down and down. Yeah. So eventually you're like, eh. And then eventually when you're in like desperate need of something new and you don't want to go buy it, you're like, oh, this crappy old shirt that I bought brand new and never wore that I didn't like then. It's cool now. So, hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe all those clothes went up in value. They probably did, dude. Everything's going up in value. Yeah. Well, you know, that's what I wanted to talk to you about today. Yeah. I, I'm I, curious what got you thinking about that. I actually sent you... Or said, hey, man, get prepared for today, mm-hmm. which I don't always do, right? Yeah, that's true. You're normally the type who's like, don't bother preparing. Just see how well you do under the pressure. I am going to quiz you to death and then see how you do. So I gave you some time, which I'm not sure that I'm not sure if that meant you gave it any more thought or not. No, I mean, I okay, you, you can admit that inflation is something I was concerned about a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. Well, so, it's something you and I have talked a lot about, but I just want to know... I got a couple questions. So the main thing I wanted you to think about is inflation and how to field questions from me and yourself. Because you, you might ask me some, and then I'll just throw them right back at you. So <laughs> first of all, how? Well, why are we in? Are we in currently in a status of inflation? Like, is inflation currently occurring right now? Yes. In like in like a a proportion that is abnormal. Well, yes, because I mean, even people would argue that, oh, inflation's always happening. Well, it is. I mean, it is, but to what degree? Right. That's what I mean. And there's, there's the unfortunate part is much like we saw during COVID times. It's like, which source do you want to trust for the numbers? Right. Because the white house has a vested interest in controlling the stats, right? Like they don't want to admit that inflation is out of control. 
they want to put a good they want to put but, put but a, everybody gets to put their I mean people can see what's happening and can put their own stats together. They don't depend on the White House. Let's wait and see what they produce to see if there's inflation happening, right? You can see you can see it, sure, anecdotally, like we can right now. Like we're we're noticing prices of things going up. But to what degree we don't know because your your cost of living is incrementally going up, but it's not gonna happen so quickly overnight that you're like, Oh my gosh, inflation is ten percent or five percent. You just feel it a little bit. It just feels like things are getting a little more expensive. Panic button doesn't get hit though. And we look to we look to authorities to tell us what is the actual stat. Like to what degree are we increasing in inflation? And historically, like in the last decade, we've been told it's normal. Inflation is actually a really good thing. It's Why is it a, a good thing? It's a good thing because you can't you can't everything has to build to to some degree. Like you have to have growth, you have to have we're printing more money, people's productivity is going higher, so you would see a natural increase in some inflation, but it's very marginal. It's like I think it's like under two percent per year. What's the difference between inflation and supply and demand? Because this is what I've argued with you a little bit yeah. before. Where I go, no, man, there's just limited supply, so the de- the demand for it's higher, so they're they're asking more money. Yeah. And, like, like a good example right now is a bunch of people are moving out of this state, or the West Coast, really, mm-hmm. right? And I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said, oh, man, it's so expensive to get a U-Haul. They've jacked their prices up almost 50% because it's in such high demand. Mm-hmm. So U-Haul said, okay, we're going to take advantage of that, and we're going to ask more money. Wouldn't that just be like a, a supply and demand issue? We have way more people asking for it. So to weed out some of the bottom feeders, we're going to just up the price and we can get it. Mm-hmm. Is, that's not inflation, is that? No. That, I mean, supply and demand is a natural thing. It's like when I talk about the price mechanism, that's what I'm talking about. A literal graph where in the center of supply and demand is where price floats. And that's natural. Like if supply goes up. Um, you'll see the price change. If demand goes down, you'll see the price change and vice versa. Like it's just a floating graph. So, I mean, that is like, that is an explainable way that makes logical sense as to why price would fluctuate in the up or down direction. But inflation is different because it's basically like saying, um, you know, if, if you boiled the economy down to producing something simple, like pencils or, you know, whatever cell phones, and you said you only I think pencils sound simpler. Cell phones, I would not know how to make that. Sure. But if you give me a project, not that I could maybe not- get a pencil made. <laughs> you think you could? Over a phone. <laughs> you said yes, this is what you said is simple. This no, is twelve hundred dollars. Simple as in one product economy, meaning like the, the economy, not you necessarily, is producing one thing. So if there's four pencils and there's four dollars in the economy, the price of each pencil is a dollar, right? But if you double the amount of dollars in the economy, it changes the price. Now it's $2 per pencil, right? Because that's the way that supply and demand actually works. But the the thing that's being triggered is more dollars are in the economy chasing the same amount or fewer goods. So it's so you're like, saying because there's more dollars in the economy, yes, that is what's creating the supply and demand issue? I'm saying that you are seeing the same amount of goods being produced or potentially less, depending if you where you buy your goods from, mm-hmm. and you're seeing way more dollars chasing those goods around, and so it's like that. So, exact so example. is it is it a little bit of? Well, let me ask you. You're arguing that there, inflation is happening at a higher rate than it should right now. Yeah. Is it okay? So, but there also is this crazy amount of supply and demand issue 
happening simultaneously. Let's pretend inflation wasn't happening somehow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Isn't there also a supply and demand issue? Are we having both of these at the same time in a weird cataclysmic way? Yeah. And I think that that is the issue is when people try to boil it down to, um, univarial like analysis where they go, well, it's, it's either inflation or it's supply and demand. It's like, well, honestly, there's a little of both going on. There's a lot of things going on at one time that are ca- causing prices to go up. But the reason that I'm mostly concerned about inflation as opposed to supply and demand is because, A, if it was just a supply and demand issue, the market corrects itself. I mean, if the, let's just say the government wasn't printing money like it's going out of style and we actually thought we had a fiscally responsible – let's just say you and I thought we had a fiscally responsible government, right? And <laughs> they were doing the right thing. Yes. And we were like, wow, they're not printing a lot of money. They're not overtaxing us. They're, you know, Which I have a question about the overprinting money here. Yeah. But keep going. So let's just say um, – hold that variable accountable and just say we really trusted the government and the government was doing the right thing. And all of a sudden, for some reason, there was a new plant in town and they were producing more cars – and that made the price of cars go down a little bit, so a little bit of deflation. And then the demand went up, right, because price went down, so demand goes up. And all of a sudden, there was a lot more people. We would capitalize on that, and we would satiate that market demand by going, well, let's get more cars, and let's build our inventory up. Right. So it would be a correction in the market. So you go, the market would correct itself yes. if it's just supply and demand. But when it's the government printing trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars, you're like, this isn't real demand. And so it's... But there is a real demand right now. That's what I think is confusing because the pandemic caused a demand of things, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it it put so many people out of work and it stopped so much manufacturing that all of a sudden people are behind, whether it be uh, people are behind in their manufacturing of it or people just shifted directions altogether, right? They just said, you know what? We're not going to make, maybe there were, you know, I'm just going to use a hypothetical. There were um, 20,000 companies making pool tables and then people shifted and said, nobody wants pool tables anymore. So now there's only a thousand people making pool tables, you know? And mm-hmm. so they just picked a different market. So all of a sudden now the supply of those is a lot less. Mm-hmm. So not only do you have that where people shifted away from it, but you also have people who aren't wanting to come back to work. Yeah. So you have things that need to be transported. You have a, a lack of things being built because there's not the parts aren't there or whatever it is. And then you have the the transportation of to get them there. Mm-hmm. So then all of a sudden, you know, people are going, well, I don't really want to be in the trucking industry anymore. Or, um, there's not enough people to run the railroads or whatever. You know, there's just not enough workforce out there, mm-hmm. which is part of it too. Mm-hmm. So you, don't you have kind of a couple things going on in this that make it hard to navigate through? You do. But the reason that getting people to buy things is different than demand. Okay. So if in your argument, your version of demand is people wanting to buy things and having the money and the stuff not being there, right? Yes. Okay. So true. But then that basically, if you ran that to the end of the spectrum, it would basically, your argument would be foundationally on this idea that in essence, we don't really have to worry about producing a lot if someone else produces it and it's available to us. Real demand is just, it's available to us and we've got dollars in our pocket. But the reason that doesn't hold water is because in that economy, why could the government not just print money and people don't have to work? And as long as China is going to produce enough cheap stuff for us to buy with the dollars the Fed gave us, why is that not a real economy? We're closer to that than we are an actual productive economy. That's what I'm saying. Because people have money in their pockets and they have goods to buy 
and we're going, oh, that's demand. That's not real demand. That's not real productivity. Okay, that's well, people that's... with dollars in their pockets and somebody supplying the goods, but that's not making a real economy. But the goods some have to boil down to there's luxury goods and then there's necessity goods. Oh, you're really chopping this up now. Well, I, I am because I'm thinking if you're going, okay, well, why don't we just have everybody sit at home and they get dollars. But, but you're not getting at the essence of the problem, which is let's just say in, in this magical economy – other foreign economies could produce all the things we need. How on earth would we get our food? How we already get a lot of our food. You could get all of your food overseas. You could get all of your food from foreign markets. Hey, my my grapes and my apples are local. And so my and my eggs I go to the, are very local. Are very local. They're <laughs> they're just right around the corner. I go to the farmers market, okay? Wow, you yeah. support the local businesses. I do. That's good. Well, you kind of actually don't cuz you grow your own chicken eggs, so I, and a lot of other, yeah, I, you know, actually I thought about that. You're simultaneously their best and worst customer because uh-huh. you're there every Saturday, which is great, but you're also like cutting their market down by like growing things yourself. Uh-huh. It's, it's like almost religious to us now where we go every Saturday. It's just something our family does. Can I ask you who waters your garden? The God, my God, he just, he's caused so much rain lately. <laughs> <It's> been, <laughs> okay. That's true. But when God is taking a break and letting summer actually happen, uh, right, my wife goes out okay, there and she, good. she, I'm, I'm just them. curious. Yeah. That's become the task in our house where it's like, I always forget to do it. And I'm like, who is going to do it? But do you notice how much it's rained lately? Like it's dude, it's amazing. I've forgotten to water for like a week and it's been more watered. I had to turn ever. off my sprinklers. That's, yeah. My mother-in-law was going to go out there and water him because she just like, she's not used to the rain. She lives in Arizona. I was like, no, you don't need to, they'll be overwatered. They'll be, <laughs> they'll be they'll drowning. Be, yeah. Yeah. So I, we, we go to farmer's market all the time. We went this last Saturday and I was like, oh, we should get these. And Rachel's like, oh, we have those in our garden. Yeah. Oh, we have those. So I go, I bought, I bought cherries because that's the only thing I, I don't have. See, I went the opposite route where I went to like the local, um, farmer's market. The one up by my house is called Jones Market in Kaiser. Yeah. And I was that's like, that's just a farm. That's not a farmer's market. No, but they have a market in there. Okay. Oh. It's not a farmer's market. You're yes. Right. It's not where other people bring it. It's their own. Yes. Right. It's, it's Jones their, farm. Yeah. It's yeah. their own stuff and they sell yeah. it, which is like, they also have ice cream. They do really good ice cream. But they, they actually, I went in there and had the opposite epiphany where I was like, why do I bother slaving over my garden to grow this crap when it's right up the street for 10 <laughs> cents a bag? I actually felt worse because I was like, I'm, I think I'm putting less into just getting this bag for $3. You know what you need to grow? You need to grow bell peppers, man. Because I went and they were two for $6. Really? Two for $6. And I bought two onions and it was like 97 cents. Hey, like, you okay, know what's going on here? We've talked about di- uh, what, diversifying our income. Maybe we <laughs> ought to just ban our gardens together and start selling at the farmer's market. Yeah, I don't, I'm not that good. Because I go, that's that's a asset that just goes away and doesn't come back. Because I feel like I, I, the only thing that just grows constantly is tomatoes. Everything else, I go, well, I got two of them. Yeah, that's true. And I had that luck with bell peppers. I actually tried. The first year I did a garden, I tried to grow like 87 varieties of things. Had success with two, which mm-hmm. means I'm the worst farmer ever. I had cucumbers and I had tomatoes. And yeah, you it. better hope that we don't ship all of our groceries overseas so that well, we still have people working the farm here sometimes i'm like eating a piece of fruit or something and it's kind of weird like a weird kind of fruit or something and i go oh this is really good this tastes amazing and then all of a sudden i realize it got literally shipped here from you know like freaking singapore or something <laughs> and all of a sudden i feel weird about it where i'm like is this am i okay we don't to have this? tropical fruit here man i know so it's got to come from somewhere have you ever seen that um instagram video about i think it was like or i don't know what it was something produce but they were like this you you guys all think you just have grow oranges year round. He's like, this is how you get them. And it was like this giant storage container that was like climate controlled. And it was like very processed agricultural. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, that's, 
I did think about that. I mean, like, so we can't grow certain things here, right? Mm -hmm. But couldn't you just put it in, like, some sort of biodome and and make it? Yeah, called a greenhouse. Okay. Yes. Well. A bio. See, you're such a city guy. A, some sort of biodome. <laughs> and farmers are cringing, and they're like, "It's called a greenhouse." Actually, I went to pick I up. I feel like they're different. Uh, I guess on the scale you're talking about, you could call it a biodome. I actually thought about doing a greenhouse because it is it is kind of cool. You can do things year round. Then yeah, but it's a lot of work. I feel like every time I drive out though, and I see greenhouses, I just go, "They're growing marijuana." Yeah, well, now it's probably a logical, probably a logical conclusion. Mm-hmm. A lot of marijuana going around. Yeah. So, hey, how do you, uh, how do you illegal immigrants working the farms fit into this equation of inflation? How are they affected? How are how are illegal immigrants affected? I mean, that you know, we get they're uh, out there working the fields, mm-hmm. and you're going, oh, we're going to ship all of our stuff overseas, but they're still. I mean, are they just going to be out of a job now? No, well, I feel like illegal immigrants are in some ways a very inelastic labor market because it's like they pretty much get they they get paid illegally low wages, so you literally couldn't pay them less than that. So they'd probably get affected almost zero, because Mm. as long as some farmer or some producer can pay illegal aliens an insanely low rate of wage to do things, they're always going to have a job. Their job security is good. You know what's interesting? So I went to. I went to Costa Rica and when did you do that? A couple of weeks ago. Recently. Yeah. I think it was a couple of weeks ago, which what was the weather like, like exactly like it's been the last couple of days. Oh really? Pouring down rain and muggy. Do you feel like that's why you got like a, did you get a good deal on it? You, you go to like a travel site, right? Yeah, we did. I mean, cause we booked it pretty last minute cause I got, wasn't allowed to go to Peru. So. There's a couple times where I've gone on that website and was like, whoa, that's a really amazing deal. And then mm-hmm. I go and I go, oh, it's because it's the rainy season in that country or the... Or it's the off season. Yeah. I mean, season. it's like Groupon. Why do people do Groupon? Because the, they're trying to they're trying to get people during the off times. But it was still fun. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Costa Rica has a, like a 10-month rainy season. Yeah. and and it's But it's always warm. It's just... It's warm and sunny mm-hmm. or it's warm and rainy. Just and it's, like here right now. It's a wet jungle and it... I couldn't imagine going there when it's just hot and not raining because mm. it, it's hot there, man. It's gross. But what's interesting, there's two things. And I want one of the ones I wanted to talk to you about was the printing of money. But the other thing was they, uh, you know, they're, they're bordered by Panama and Nicaragua mm-hmm. and they would complain about illegal immigrants there coming over and stealing jobs. The Nicaraguans come down here and they take our jobs for picking coffee and they'll do it for way cheaper than we will. And I was like, wow, this is like, what we deal with up there, except, mm-hmm. I mean, it's everywhere. Yeah, it's everywhere. Except, you know, up here we get really mad about it, where we're like, no, the illegal immigrants have more rights than the, <laughs> yes. the citizens of the United States. Subsidize so, them. Yeah, give them free give, stuff. Give them everything. They don't even need to prove they live here, and they can have a driver's license, right? There, they're like, no, this something needs to be done about it. But they also, it, it was weird to me that you could just go almost anywhere and pay with the American dollar, mm-hmm. and they would have change. And you're going, okay, I don't understand. Every year, I think you and I talked about this the other day uh, off the microphones, about just every year the government says, hey, there's a certain amount of lost dollars, right? You mm-hmm. you clean out your car and you're like, well, there's four cents. I don't care. It's getting sucked up in the vacuum, mm-hmm. right? Just money getting missing. And they go, okay, we're going to print for a certain amount of accounted lost money. Mm-hmm. Well, how do they account for however much money and that's just one country is in Costa Rica that they readily use the American dollar. I know they do in Mexico too, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you go to Mexico and a lot of places have changed for American dollars. 
So all these other countries are running off the American dollar, and we have no idea how well, do we like, account for that. It's like in China right now, they just put extra sanctions on banks in China that they have to store more American currency in their reserves. China's storing American currency? Yeah, storing American currency in their good. reserves. So like in the U.S., we have fractional reserve banking, which says you have to store a certain amount of the deposits you have, a percentage you have to keep on hand at all times. Just in case somebody... So there's no more runs on the bank, okay. um, like 1930. But they, they're doing that in China. And I don't know, man. I think there's – I I mean, I could probably work through it if I went back to like an old money and banking class. I think there are ledgers that keep track of like exchanges because eventually the countries have to exchange back money to some extent. Or oh, no. they keep it. Or they keep it. You know how many people when I went there – so they love to negotiate. And one of their favorite things to negotiate was – I will give you a discount if you pay cash. Yeah, which okay. means it's not getting traveled through any. No, that's true. There and there's a lot of the fraud. There's also fraud. There's also people who print their own money and it passes through for a certain amount mm-hmm. of time before it gets caught. So, yeah, there's definitely like leakage and there's definitely an inefficiency. I don't know to be honest. I have no idea other than at the tippy top levels where it's like the countries do decide to exchange a certain amount of our money back for their money. Although it's different for America because ours is like the world um, currency. So there's really ours no- is the world currency. Yeah, you think that's universal? Mm-hmm. Universally said. I mean, wouldn't wouldn't Europeans argue that the euro is? No, most every um, it is in the sense that almost every uh, currency is pegged to the dollar. I mean, its value is whatever the relation is to the dollar. To the dollar. Yeah. yeah. Which I don't think is going to be that way for much longer. When you say much longer, put a time frame on that. You're talking 10 years, ten 2 years, years? 10 years. 10 years. I don't know. I would have said a couple years a couple years ago, but I've seen too many economic phenomenon happen that take way longer than I thought they would. Like our lifetimes are like a blip in economic history because it's like these things take so long to to sort of ebb and flow, but yeah, I think 10 years probably. Okay. Hmm. I I don't know. It was a little just mind-boggling to me because I go there there's no way I know. I always say there's smarter people in the world than me, mm-hmm. which is hard to believe. But there are somewhere. Mostly for you, it's hard to believe. Yeah. For, thank, <laughs> thank you. So there's somewhere somebody who's studied economics and all this stuff, you know, is sitting up there going, "Okay, I have to account for this, and you can't just print money. You have. I mean, somebody has to be in charge of it. And so there, I'm sure there is some sort of calculation, but I don't know. Just after you go and kind of see it firsthand, you're going, there's no way. There's there's no way somebody can account for all no, this. No, here's the thing, dude, is that the Federal Reserve has been around for however long, and in essence, most Americans believe that the Federal Reserve is this, like, wizard that, you know, the Wizard of Oz that stands behind a curtain and basically can control the market with this pinpoint accuracy, when in reality, the Federal Reserve is... Uh, I wouldn't want to say a made-up institution any more than anything else is made up, but the idea that this central bank can really have an impact on the economy is silly in in terms of making it healthy. It can have a huge impact on the economy in terms of printing money and monetary policy control, but it can't it can't control it. The best thing to control the economy and keep it healthy is price mechanism, is the price control. So in essence, like going back to like a more free market economy, which I can feel all the liberals right now rolling their eyes collectively because that's every economist like answer for everything. But I do believe that that's really what are it we is. not in a free market economy? Um, 
to an extent, I mean, every, there's like ends of the spectrum where it's like total free market, like laissez-faire, like full-blown no regulation, and then there's like socialism. We're somewhere in between there. So we're probably more Which so is than... probably good because you can't just have anybody out there peddling. You know what You know what annoys me? This is, this is what kind of annoys me sometimes. I go to the farmer's market and they pay their, you know, whatever dollar amount for their booth, right? I don't know how much it is, but they have to weigh that and go, okay... I have this at-home product that I think I can sell at the mm-hmm. farmer's market and, and make money. Like, that booth's going to cost me 100 bucks, so i got to make more than $100 to make it worthwhile. And then outside of the farmer's market, you have all these other people setting up tables, selling different things. And you go, that, that's not fair. You didn't pay for right, that. Just on the street side yeah. or something? Yeah, which, which I guess in that's a total free market economy, right? Yeah. But there's there are some regulations in that where you, you technically can't do that. But because of COVID, nobody's... Nobody's playing by the rules. Yeah, that's true. That's interesting. That it's like an interesting little petri dish of like economics, like the farmers market and the cross this boundary, you pay a fee, but if you do it on the sidewalk outside, you could do it for free. Technically, I guess. I guess then it'd be up to the consumer because they have to walk in and go, "Do I want to pay this guy who's not willing to pay the farmers market fee?" I don't and- even think that many people think about. It. They're just like, "Oh, the farmers market extends out here to the sidewalk." Well. Maybe that should be a sign to the farmer's market people that they shouldn't charge such big fees and then get those other people in there. That's what they should do. You know what? You know what? Sometimes fees like that do is they weed out the people that like don't matter. Like I don't, I don't need it. Like once it gets full and you're like, okay, it could be full of really good stuff or it could be full of crap. It's mm-hmm. weeding out the crap. Is what it's yeah, doing. that's true. Yeah, I think that's fair. Although, is the far- what's the farmer's market like these days? I'm. Do you yeah. not go? No. Why? I think there's been well, a I work Saturdays. Okay, so well, that's on you. Second, you can take a break for like an hour. I've done that before. Where I've done. Yeah, that's true. I'm really not needed on Saturdays. That's for sure. I feel the most least job security on Saturdays. I'm like nobody really needs me. Uh, but it's just also like one of those things that hasn't become a habit. Like I feel like for you, you've been doing it for a couple of years now, and it hasn't become a habit for me. So it's like Saturday morning we wake up. If for some reason I'm off, I never think to go there until it's already too late. Yeah, you should go. A lot of fresh. A lot of fresh berries. Like Is it like a prime season? And stuff. And yeah, it'll be probably next month where all like the blueberries and stuff will be like all of the berries will be there. Huh. And the watermelons. Is that what that. like is valuable to you is the berry berry season? Yeah, I don't have berries in my yard, man. I don't know if you know. You a have strawberries. Vegetables. It's a lot of vegetables. I do have strawberries. You're right. Okay. Well, so. you had a tire that said strawberries on it. I don't know if you actually grow any though. <laughs> I do actually have strawberries. And I forgot my neighborhood. Which is an important distinction tree. with an at-home gardener. Like just because you have the thing that says something's going to grow there doesn't actually mean the thing is going to grow there. No, I actually, I forgot. I have another plant. Grow- I have another set of strawberries growing. But okay. Let me ask you another question. Yeah. About uh, this dollar amount going, or these do- these dollars going to uh, other countries. Yeah. What if it was backed by gold? If it was back pre rewind, would we would there be better tabs on it, or would the system be any different? Well, I think if it's backed by gold, there has to be an associated amount of gold to go with it, and they can't print more unless somehow they get more gold. So it's like, but they always, even when it was backed by gold, wouldn't they print for an amount of lost? Yeah, dollars? but I mean, I'm sure there's some science that goes into that where they go, this is about how much we assume never makes it back to us or is destroyed or whatever How would you even account for I that don't know man this is where you go economics when you get on this aggregate scale of like a nation it gets really sloppy and i think the more you know about it the more you realize don't, nobody really knows what they're and don't doing. you just feel like the more you know you're like we're about to collapse at any moment in oh time. dude that's been my blessing and curse is since 2013 when i graduated and i felt like i knew so much about economics because compared to normal people i did 
But I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so much more aware of these dumb little things. And what we're talking about right now, I mean, I've been saying it for probably six months and I'm like, I think it, I, I said it also during 2013 where I was like, they're printing money to stimulate the economy. And I'm like, that's going to come back to us at some point. Um, so 13, you fast forward eight years, they're printing more money. So mm-hmm. what's, well, is it beneficial to the government to print? You and I talked about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Is it beneficial to the government to print money? It is like, why? If you have, if you owe money, it pays, it's more rewarding for you. It's more beneficial to you as a person who's a debt, debtor rather, to have the value of the dollar go down because you owe a fixed amount of money. And if the value of it decreases, that's good for you. Okay. So I have a lemonade stand. Yes. You know, I have a surplus. Explain it to me like I'm a, no, I'm just joking. That's the office quote. Sorry. <laughs> but, ex, but, but in all seriousness, explain it to me like I'm five. Sure. Okay. So. This is Michael Scott over yeah, here. Yeah. You have, you have. Yeah. A trillion dollars in debt. You're saying the, the U.S. economy. Let's go back to the lemonade stand. Okay. All right. So, so you owe. Yeah, that did work out. You owe $5 to a, to somebody for something, right? Lemonade, whatever yes. the ingredients are. And there's a huge dump into the economy of dollars and the value of the dollar goes way down over time. What happens is wages increase, prices increase, everything increases and your debt feels much, much, much smaller. It actually is smaller. The dollar amounts the same, but the proportions. So you're saying, okay. So you're saying when I, if I owed $5 in my lemonade stand and I was Mm -hmm. selling lemonade for 25 cents a cup, now I'm selling lemonade for fifty cents a cup. My debt seems smaller. Now I'm selling lemonade for a dollar a cup because inflation just happened, so I can make more on that. I'm now selling for a dollar a cup, and my debt is that that much proportionally smaller. Yes, and technically, when you talk about money going into the economy, it's not an mm. all at once thing. There's certain people who benefit more because they get the more money while the prices are still low. So there's a lag between the dump of cash into the economy, right? Not as though it's an actual dump of cash, but it kind of is because they literally print money and they literally funnel it through the fed. There's people who benefit more from it and people who benefit less. And the people who benefit more are the people who are the recipients of the cash when the prices haven't caught up and they're still low because now you've got all the more cash of a hugely stimulated economy with a lot of dollars floating around and the prices are still low, so you feel amazingly rich. But as prices go up and your dollars that you have as the first person recipient get transitioned through, every person those dollars go to down the line, they're going to feel poorer and poorer because prices will shoot up. And by the time the 10th person gets those dollars, they get that many dollars, but the prices have jacked way up. So they're like, dang, I feel really poor. Does that make sense? Where do you think you are in that? Are you pretty far down the line? I think I'm pretty far down the line. Okay. Yes, I do. I think that because our wages, well, I don't know about your wages. I can't talk about you, Mr. Costa Rica, 12 bottles of wine per month, whatever. Costa Rica was $800 trip. I'm fairly confident you spent more trying to plant your garden. My yeah. wages have stayed the same. So I'm actually a good example because I would say I have a relatively high wage for an average person, but my wages have stayed the same. So I'm going to ultimately be the person who gets punished the most because my wages don't float with the economy. So it's great when things are cheap, but as things 
as inflation happens, my wages are going to be stagnant, and I'm going to I'm going to so, feel this. The worst. Yeah, I mean, I guess that would be one of my arguments. With you, you, you said, you know, everything goes up, people's wages go up. But I was literally just talking to this with my sister, and she's like, "Yeah, everything's getting expensive. Everything's going up in value, or in dollar amount, but wages aren't going up. That's not something that's happening. Wages do go up too. I well, mean, they eventually do go up, they, but they're not going up. Right I mean, now. well, depends on what period of time you're looking at, like. I think the nature of my job is unique in the sense that it generally, it's not a percentage of anything. It's flat amounts over the years, but there are people who get cost of living increases, which go up. There's people who, but if inflation is happening quicker than the cost of living, which is like 3%, right? Cost of living is statistically always been three. The cost of living is inflation. Great. Cost of living is inflation. That is that is correct. Yes. But if inflation is happening at a higher rate than 3%, you're saying people are going to get a wage increase more than 3%? I'm saying that when you dump a lot of dollars into the economy and you don't produce anything as a nation, not I mean, when I say nothing, I mean like not literally nothing, but not as much as we should, right? And we're seeing this right now in the car industry where who produces a couple of key things that help us make cars other countries. So when we need them and they need them, they get them. Well, this is what's going to happen on a broad scale, which is we're going to have all these dollars floating around and it's great while we have things to buy because we feel rich, but wages are going up. I mean, minimum wage has gone up exponentially in the last 10 years, right? It's gone up a lot. Exponentially in the United States or exponentially here on the West coast? I don't know. I'm, I think it's state by state, but I think a lot of blue states are, it's going up tremendously high for sure. So West Coast, for sure. I don't know about other states, to be fair. But what's going to happen is we're going to run out of things to buy. That's where everybody's going to feel poor because we're going to have all the dollars in our pocket and it's going to buy nothing because other countries are going to be like, all right, well, the dollar is not really worth that much anymore. It's essentially crashed and we don't need to peg our money or our things to that anymore. We're going to start producing goods for ourselves now. We're going to take care of ourselves. And they have done a good job of creating economies where they produce everything. They were just previously selling it to us. So they were deferring their wealth and their prosperity and letting us enjoy it. But when the tides turn, they're going to keep all of the things they produce and we're going to get nothing. And the things we do get are going to be super expensive because there's so many dollars and so few goods that it's going to be like we all feel amazingly poor in a very short period of time. How do we know when we're on the track to Venezuela? (laughs) I think we're we are. We're literal, literal money. We are just because in the streets because it's it's like trash. It's, it's worth nothing. It's gonna happen. I actually, if you guys want to hear my apocalyptic, yeah, view, seriously, get get us. You're about to be Debbie Downer here. Yeah, I'm about to be Debbie Downer. I think, I think we are in danger of hyperinflation, which basically means your money is valueless. Because in essence, the biggest indicator of this to me was when we were talking about Bitcoin, and I said, you know. Actually, Bitcoin is most like the dollar because the entire idea of what makes Bitcoin worth anything is what people think it's worth. The only difference is, is the dollar is actually backed by the federal government, but they can only keep up the ruse for so long because the real value of it will appear at some point, whether the government says it is worth something or it's not. And we're coming down that we're coming to that end of the road where it's like the government can't make up for it anymore. Why do you think that? Because there's no, there's no cure for inflation. There's nothing they can do to fix this. There is nothing they there can isn't. do. No, there's nothing they can do. You Why? basically just have... Well, 
I could turn around and say, well, what would they do? But I know you can't answer that. I would try. I would say stop printing money immediately. Right now, we would stop printing money. Which would be amazing if they did. Because isn't that something that's just, that's just a constant, right? There's just constantly money being printed because you're accounting for yeah. lost dollars or whatever. I don't know if it's being printed to the extent that it's like to stimulate the economy versus just enough to hedge off like destroyed money. That's and what lost, I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. But yes, they are. I would, I would just go, all right, shut that down. We don't, we're not producing any more money right now. Yeah. I mean, short of like burning piles of money, I don't know what else they could do. Like stopping is not going to stop the inevitable. That wouldn't stop it? No. Because there's already too much. I mean, I told you the stat that like something like 35% of all the dollars that have ever been printed have been printed in the last year, which that alone is enough to be like, even if they turn the spigot off right now and stop producing cash, there's still so much out there. And the other thing is, it's not just what they printed and it's actually in our bank accounts. It's also what's gone overseas and they've pent up and stored. And eventually they're going to turn around and release those and start using those dollars. And that's when we're really going to feel it. We're going to feel it when foreign economies start shoving these dollars back into our economy. Then it's going to, that's where I think the crap's going to hit the fan because dollars do to your Costa Rica point. They do go overseas. They do go elsewhere. They do go to foreign economies and sometimes they spend those things. And we thought they were lost. And so we've, we've made up for it. Yes. But we printed new money made up for it. There are some governments, a lot of governments, but namely China is one of them who have a vested interest in maintaining the American dollar. So they've been huge help to us in maintaining the value of the dollar. They do that partially by productivity, selling us a lot of cheap goods that make our dollars seem like they're really valuable. They've also stored a lot of our dollars. So they understand the supply and demand game. And they say, we don't want all these dollars going back to the U S economy because that will crash the dollar. And a lot of China is pegged on it. So they store a lot of our dollars. What would happen to other, if we crashed, what would happen to other well, the countries. other other countries, most of them have relatively good production, so they would end up t- turning their production that they previously sold to us, and they would just use What about their, China? China was the biggest one who would go, okay, great. Um, America as a customer is no longer of use to us, so we're going to stop paying attention to them, which is all they've done for the past 75 years. And we're going to take all the stuff that we produce that, you know, the, the, the axiom of the last 50 years in America is like buying cheap Chinese crap. Well, they would stop giving us their cheap Chinese crap and we would feel dirt poor because we would rely on only things produced here or pay the premium to get their stuff here. And they would take all the stuff they make and they would give it to their people. They would sell it to their people and their people would get to go through a huge period of prosperity because they're a producer nation now. Now they're producing and they're actually utilizing their own goods. So Okay, so let me ask you the million-dollar question here yeah. that I ask you this all the time, but you don't – I, I want to get to the root of it. What do you do to hedge against it? What do you do specifically? That's a good question. I think if it's anything over ten or $20,000 – which are just numbers that I've heard from people who I really respect. Ten to twenty thousand dollars. Let's just say fifteen. If you're below fifteen grand in the bank, like that's all the wealth you've got, cash. Mm-hmm. Not a huge deal. You're probably not going to notice a big difference. But if your retirement in a large sum, an IRA, you're in, you have investments in that are wrapped up in dollars, you're screwed. You should be trying to get those out of the dollar. So the only ways you can do that, as far as I know, is precious metals and commodities and foreign safe goods, foreign stocks, 
probably not bonds. So basically saying you're foreign stocks. Yeah. So basically saying who's going to benefit the most when the dollar crashes and it ain't going to be America. It's not going to be the dollar. So if you put all of your dollars, your wealth into those foreign markets and it's a betting game, just like anything else. This is why I'm not a financial advisor because gosh knows what would happen. But if I had a significant amount of wealth, I would seriously consider trying to put some of, if not a large portion, into foreign markets. What do you have in precious metals right now? Do you, um, I mean, do you have money in precious metals? No. Yeah, neither do I. But I don't have any. I don't have a substantial amount of wealth that. I mean, I think they say something like ten percent. If you're conservative, should be in precious metals. Okay. Or gold. But okay. What about in other assets like? Real estate. Yeah. Um, I think, I think real estate's a good one, which is probably the one that I've been eyeballing the most where it's like, if I could take out some, hate to say it this way, if I could get into a little bit of debt now, because it's good to be a debtor if inflation happens, Hmm. get into some debt and buy some homes, houses or whatever. If, If I was really rich, I'd buy apartment complexes. Then I'd be set because my debt shrinks as inflation goes up. And not only that, but I'm in a f- inflation adjusted income because if pricing goes up, guess what else goes up? Rent goes up. And then I get price adjusted rent. That's really what I'm angling towards. What, what have you done so far to hedge I, against this? I, Mr. Doom and Gloom, bought a house. Wow. So you've done what everybody else has done. Yes. I bought a house. Okay. But that's currently where my head is at because you, right. know- you you are the you are the person going. This is going to happen. Mm-hmm. There's you just told me there's no fix to it. Even if they shut off the, the printing money, mm-hmm. short of burning it, short like, of burning it. Like if we started burning money, which I don't even no know no how no that. not we, but if the Fed started going like, hey, let's collect as many dollars as we can instead of how would they even do that? Stimulating, let's burn them all. Okay, yeah. They started somehow burning money. I'm not sure how you would. Or, hey, this would help a lot. Okay. I'm listening. This would help a lot. We'll talk to the people. Talk to the people in charge. Can't wait to hear. Now, if we were to start producing a lot more in this nation, it would be it would help. Yes. And I yeah. hate to say it um, to people who don't want to hear it, but Trump was doing that. So He was. Yeah. He really was. He was waging some war. And again, there's economic implications to that, but what he was doing, but... Fundamentally, I get what he was doing. He was trying to create production in the U.S. to help offset some of that trillions and trillions and trillions of paper money floating around. Yeah. So there's nothing we can do to stop this. So there, it's like right now it's a it's like it's a ticking time bomb. It's it's like playing those games, you know, that like you never know when when it's going to pop on you. Mm-hmm. It's just like tick, 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 yeah. Tick, and you just don't know when it's going to pop. So we're just, we, we've got to do and, something. And you know what's sad is that you think about living through the 08 housing crisis and you go, gosh, how did, do you ever look back and go, how did I not see a huge bubble growing? No, I never, no, because I, I, I mean, I remember it very distinctly. I bought my first house and in two years I made like 30 grand. And my wife and I went and we bought another house and they were going so quickly. She's like, we got to go look at it. You're paying full asking price. There's no negotiation, which mm-hmm. already I was like, what the crap is this? Now it's even worse than that because people are paying way over. But then it was like, we went, she goes, I want you to look at two of these houses. Well, one of them sold on our way over there. So I only got to look at one of the houses. We bought it. And then like that was 07. So the height mm-hmm. of 07. So you, like not even a year later, boom, that my next door neighbor that I think I paid $300,000 for this house 
the house right next to me went into foreclosure, sold a year and a half later for 160 grand. And I go, whoop. I'm upside down. I am screwed. Yeah. Yeah. So that did not feel good. Well, that's like, I always was like, how did I not see the writing on the wall? How did I not treat my money differently? How did I not see? But but couldn't you look at that situation and go, we made it out of 08. So if this did, this thing that you're saying is inevitable, if it happened, wouldn't we as a country, because we're strong, wouldn't we make it out of it? Oh, we'll make it. Fine, dude. We're. I'm not concerned that we're gonna like disintegrate as a We're not nation. gonna be like Venezuela. It's no, no. It's Why? Like, because we do produce some things, and we do have like. Why is Venezuela so bad? I don't understand. If hyperinflation happens, because my son's showing me some videos on what happens with hyperinflation, and it is not a term to be messed around with, because it mm-hmm. it like looks like it destroys an economy. Mm-hmm. But you're saying okay, it's bad, doom and gloom, but it's not that bad. Because I think that I think that we are smart enough to go, okay, we're not going to continually vote in. So one of the reasons I think Donald Trump got voted in is because the American people, he, listen, he was a celebrity apprentice figurehead. He was a celebrity before he was ever anything else. He was never in politics. And you were like, let's vote him in. And listen, if you're a Republican, it was kind of a good day where you're like, oh, that's kind of cool because he seems like super Republican. If you're a left winger, you were like, this is the worst day of my life. Regardless of any of that, a weird thing happened in 2016. And I think the reason that it happened is because American people wanted a change and they were like, I'm tired of the status quo. Now, you could argue that it took four short years before we got the status quo voted right back in, but we will make changes politically to make sure that we have a sound economy. And I think that. But you said there's no fixing it. I don't think there's any fixing it in terms of. I think it would take years of better fiscal policies to. There's no overnight fix. What do you do? Hyperinflation happens. Let's just play this out. Hyperinflation happens. Then how do you, what do you do after that? Do you just go, okay, we're going to a different monetary system? Not you know a, what? The, the U.S. government decides we're now running on Bitcoin. Like what? Well, there, you, you asked yourself this. Why did it happen in the first place? And the reason you know that it happened is because the government basically ran amok and started printing cash like it was going out of business. And then we did go out of business, right? And so you go, well, what made us great to begin with? It was that we produced a lot of things. We had a lot of ingenuity. We had a lot of smart people. We had low taxes. So we incentivized people who wanted to be wealthy to be creative and create things that people wanted to buy. And so we actually stimulated the actual economy with real production, real supply and demand. And then I would also probably go to a gold standard. So I would basically lower taxes and I would say, hey, let's incentivize business owners and the American economy to go crazy like it used to and actually produce and become really wealthy. We're not wealthy right now, dude. We're basically just Section 8 housing. I mean, we're we're really bad right now. We just feel rich because we have a lot of money in our pockets and a lot of cheap stuff to buy. We're not, we're already there. We're already not in a good place. But if it happened and hyperinflation happened, that's what I would do. I would basically lower taxes and incentivize production. And then I would... Burn all the money. I <laughs> I asked you what you would do to hedge against it. Mm-hmm. And you kind of gave me some... What are you actually doing? Well, that's a good question because I don't have the kind of like assets on hand to go, oh, I have hundreds of thousands of dollars need to move around into foreign economies. And not a lot of people do. No. So what but I'm... Let's just say... Let's just pretend you're a normal American. Gosh, I don't want to be called... You're 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 somebody who can scrounge up five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. You scrounge up five thousand dollars, 
and you go, okay, this $5,000 is going to become worthless, or I could turn it into something. What would you do with it? What are you going to do with it? I would buy something that's going to go up in value if the econ- if in if the dollar if all like of a sudden a, like a car yeah like I like anything really I mean honestly at this point if you've got five thousand dollars clothes with a tag on it if you've got five thousand dollars right now you're probably better off buying a car with it than you are actually letting the money sit in the bank right that's why so people who have money in the bank let's just say you were trying to save up three months worth of wages because they say to do that right mm-hmm. keep. So let's just say you're you're doing really well, and I'm going to say having $20,000 in the bank is doing really well, because I, I think mm-hmm. it would be mm-hmm. if you had that. Should you take most of that out and go, I'm going to invest in things, things that I know I could, like, not perishable things, but things that I know that I could, you know, resell in a, in, in, if I needed to, because they're a commodity of some sort, whether it be a ping pong table or a car or clothes or uh, yeah. t- uh I don't know. Kitchen, the furniture. I don't know. I think that you should, I think realistically we should probably be stocking up on some things because what is going to happen is price controls. So the government's going to go, well, they're already doing it. They're suing, uh, or I think it's the U S government or maybe it's just Washington DC as like a state is suing Amazon for, um, antitrust. They're basically saying Amazon is price gouging. Right, so this is the next thing they're going to do. They create the inflation that raises the prices, and then they scapegoat private businesses for price gouging when prices go up. So you, so wouldn't that be a way that the government could control hyperinflation is just by putting regulations on prices? They do it with gasoline. Yeah, but well, that's a whole other podcast, man. Price controls are literally—they just create scarcity because what happens is if you say. If I went to you, Marshall, and said, hey, man, um, prices are going up too high, so me, the U.S. government, is telling you, the car salesperson, uh, you can only the, the max price on cars you can have is $7,000 or $10,000. There's going to be a scarcity because way fewer cars are going to be available because if that's all the money you can make on them, I mean, that's all the m- price you can ask. That limits your market. That limits your profits. And there's going to be a scarcity. There's going to, people are going to be fleeing the car industry like you wouldn't believe. And next thing you know, it's going to create scarcity. So that's what happens. You can control prices, but you cannot control supply. Here's the, here's probably the biggest, biggest question, biggest concern. Is the dollar menu going away at McDonald's? It already is away, man. <laughs> it already is away. There's no, no, there, you can still buy a soda any size. You want for a dollar, which and is you such can buy an odd any thing, right? Coffee you want. I remember her. when I was younger and I actually drank soda. I was like, oh my gosh, the big one's a dollar twenty nine, and the little mm-hmm. one seventy nine. And now McDonald's t- has like stuck to it, man. They don't care. Every yeah. other place is like two dollars and thirty nine cents. But in fairness, but that's literally just syrup being mixed with like. But even their coffee, any size, one dollar. Yeah. Well, with free refills, you go sit in there. It's free refills. It's great, dude. When's that going away? Because you know what. And that might be unique to here because I remember I went to Ohio and they're like, it's $1.39. I go, $1.39? Excuse me. It's a dollar everywhere. So well, once coffee's not a dollar, that's what I'm going to start. That's what I'm going to start worrying about hyperinflation. I'm like, whoop, it's happening. Keep your eye on that, man. <laughs> I, think, I think that's what you McDonald's need. McDonald's drive through and they're like, that'll be $1.08, sir. I'm like, oh no. I'm going to text you right then and there. It's happening. And you'll know Dude, exactly what I'm talking but about. But do you remember there was a lot of drive throughs at dollar menus and now yeah. not so much. Like, do you, have you ever watched the actual price of a specific dollar item that's now not on the dollar menu anymore? Like, I remember um, I used to work at Skyline Ford 
and there was a Wendy's right across the street, and they would sell these, I think they were called Double Stacks. That's what they were called. I don't know why that name sticks out. For a dollar, 99 cents. They were on the 99 cents. Mm-hmm. Now they're like $4. And I was like, oh, that's not a good but sign. Not only that, like uh, companies, and I get it, they've gotten real creative about making packaging even smaller. Uh-huh. Go buy a carton of ice cream. Uh-huh. It is not the same size it used to be. It's so much smaller. And you're like, wow, th- man, ice cream is more expensive. And it's a freaking smaller container. No, and dude, when I got really was like derailed off whole thirty, I'm like, okay, I'm done with this. I've been doing it long enough. The health benefits have been realized. I don't care. And I remember I was sitting at work. It was actually Saturday because you were like, hey, man, I was in there. I didn't see you. And I go, oh, I was getting food. I went and got um, spicy a spicy chicken sandwich from Carl's Jr., right? And the last time oh, I had not this. close. Why do you go so far away? Because I was, I got in my head because everyone at work was ordering like Chick-fil-A and I was like, no. And then an hour later, I was like, dang it. I should have got the Chick-fil-A. I want a spicy chicken sandwich. So I went there and I. So far away. It is really far away. I realized that. But I went there and I had not had one in like five years. And I was like, oh my gosh, this thing is tiny. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a pellet. It was so small. And I was like, I should have got like four of these. Same price though. Yeah. I, yeah, I could go off on prices on things because I. One fast food is like a ten dollar meal now, mm-hmm. where I go. I could sit down at a restaurant, and maybe I can't. I don't know, but it that's what it feels like. I I pay grapes. You ever get grapes? Yeah, it's like ten dollars for a thing of. And grapes are insanely expensive, dude. That's like but they're a, so good. Chipotle. I would Chipotle was something I could get on Whole Thirty, like they have a Chipotle bowl. Mm-hmm. If my wife, my kid, and I got food from Chipotle, it's routinely like thirty five bucks. And I'm mm. like, holy crap, I could just go out to eat. It's not fast food anymore. So it's it's not going to be long before a Starbucks coffee is $5. Correct. If it isn't already. I don't drink coffee there. Hmm. Bougie. Bougie. Yeah. Well, this is... I, I want to end it with this, if we're going to end it now, is I think... I, I, I wouldn't, you ask me this a lot. What would you do or what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And that's a weird question because I don't have a lot to do a lot with. So that's you why do, I, though you have, I don't care if you have $2,000 or you because anything by your metric is going, okay, it's not going to be worth anything anymore. So mm-hmm. whatever you have, you got to do something with you're yes. going, if you, if you had the crystal ball or you could go back in time from 08, what would you do differently? And you're Buy going, houses. But, uh, I would just buy houses. And, and maybe that in $2,000 doesn't get you there. So what else can you do? Well, I don't know because it's like, it's all proportional, man. $2,000 is not, it's not going to matter. I mean, okay. $10,000. Again, I think unless $20,000, I buy a house. I, I still think that's the move. You can't, dude, you can't buy. I was looking at houses. They're insanely expensive right now. Insanely but expensive. He, yes, you're right. And here's the thing. The thing you that. You still buy one. I would still buy one. I dude. feel like they're going to crash. Because, I don't well, understand. they probably they. I don't think they're going to crash because their value isn't bad. It's just there's too many dollars. That's the thing. The dollar is going to crash. Housing is not going to crash, which is a totally well, different this is story. totally different than 08. Then totally different than 08. Yeah, that's why I go. Yeah, it feels the same because you're like comparing. You go, well, that was a really bad time. Is it going to be that bad? It will be probably way worse. So than if that. you owed three hundred thousand dollars on your house and your house is worth. $400,000, you owe a large percentage of it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, your house is worth $600,000, and you only owe $300,000 in a, in a rapid amount of time. Mm-hmm. You now owe only 50% of what your house is worth. Mm-hmm. Your equity got so much larger mm-hmm. really quickly. Mm-hmm. So that's why you're saying buy real estate. Yes, because I think that um, that's those are. Pr- it's like when I said... 
you could buy, you could rent and it's a, um, inflation adjusted. It's like it, the price, the value of it floats with the market. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if there's, if everything becomes worth more, guess what? The asset you own that you owe $300,000 on is worth more. And it might be worth a million dollars someday, or it might be worth a million dollars soon. I've got $2,000. Do you have $2,000? Let's yeah. try to get a house. We should. Let's pull our $2,000 together and make $4,000. I have actually, see what we can buy. I have actually solicited another person who you know uh, to you've try made poor decisions already to try tell. to try to buy a house because I'm like all we have to do is buy it and sit mm-hmm. on it and it'll be fine. That's I, you know what? First of all, there's so many things here. One, a I'm offended. Mm-hmm. That I wasn't the first person. Mm-hmm. Two, I can't think of anybody that would be. You know how I knew you weren't the guy to invest with because I said, "Hey man, what do you do? You ever think about extra income?" And you're like, "Oh, all the time." I meet with a wealth advisor. I'm trying to figure out things. And you said, but you know what? I think this podcast is where we need to. And I was like, oh, you have overestimated First of all, I don't us. think that's at all what I said. <laughs> there are so many things you got incorrect in that You whole voted for me and I was like offended. I was like, oh, this is where you were going to put your wealth? No. No, that was, that sounds like a really long time ago conversation. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah. You also... also- you also owe me homework, man. You were going to get me one other... You, you were supposed to owe me two clips. And you yeah, got me that's one true. clip. It got late, though. It was almost 9.30. It's way past my bedtime. <laughs> you had a week to do it. Uh, I forgot. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, hmm. thanks, economists, for educating us on inflation. Yeah. Well, I feel like it was really just a fear-mongering session, but... Yeah, except you're trying to strike fear into us, but you're not doing anything about it. So I have nothing to do, man. All my wealth is in my house. I'm in the right spot as far as I can. I'm in the best spot I can be. Okay. Actually, I take that back. I'm not. Okay. What else can you do? Retirement. I could I could divest my entire retirement. So you would advocate for people to pull out of their retirement? No, 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 no. No, <laughs> no. You asked me what I would do, and that's the last ditch effort that I go, if I really believed it, I should be doing this. And I'm like, So you oh. don't really believe it? I do. I think it's really difficult to take that kind of a step, though. Mostly not because I, I question whether it will or won't, but I question when it will. Ah. The when is important because if I could... Which, but if you if it started to happen, mm-hmm. could... I mean, is there enough time? Depends on if you're ahead of the game. Like I told you, my method of trying to determine when I think the dollar is going to yeah. crash. And I'm, so when the, when your method that you and I talked about, secret secret off-camera status... When that happens, are you pulling out of retirement? Possibly. Yeah. Okay. Likely. Oh. Wow. Because hmm. if you think about it, if I had taken my retirement now, if if I had it five years ago, and let's just say my metric that I'm keeping an eye on did what I think it's going to do, and I had bit the bullet and been like, fine, I'll take the penalty, penalty and I'll pull my retirement out and I'll buy houses let's say yeah you gotta you gotta do something with it you can't yeah. just pull it out you gotta do something with it i would have bought a house or possibly two houses with smaller down payments and now right now in this position i would have been tremendously wealthier than just letting it sit in my retirement because of inflation i'm gonna need you to let me know on that metric and we'll we'll do a special live show when that metric hits how about that? When I start seeing it ticking when in you start the direction. Saying, we're going to we're gonna do a special live We'll do a countdown. Show. And we Look, won't tell anybody what the metric is until we've already hit the threshold. And then we'll just not. go off air and be like, right. okay, we're going to go get our portfolios out. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. That'll be fun.